0: This Christmas, don't let the stress of shopping and decorating get in the way the real reason for the season, the birth of Jesus. Focus on the Family Canada wants to help you prepare for Christmas with a free Advent download. Experience scripture readings and family-friendly devotionals for each of the four Sundays of Advent. Take the time this Christmas to connect with your children in a meaningful way while enjoying a very special Advent. Download for free today
1: at focusonthefamily.ca. advent
0: You will not build a great church. You will not have a ministry upon which the sun never sets if you don't reach men. Over 85% of the time when a man comes to Christ, a whole family comes to
2: Christ. Pastor Johnny Hunt was our guest on the last Focus on the Family broadcast with a really inspiring testimony and a deep commitment to help men thrive in Christ. He's back with us for a second day, and I know you're going to learn a lot from this conversation. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I found our
1: discussion with Johnny Hunt fascinating. Uh, He really has some great stories and some very important insights that men especially need to hear. We're glad to have him back again as we get to know more about his interesting life, uh, some of the struggles he's been through, and how God has used him in some remarkable ways. If you missed last time, I hope you'll go back and listen to
2: that, get the app, or go to the website. Yeah, the website has the link. Uh, that's focused on focusedonthefamily.ca. And Pastor Johnny Hunt is the author of a book called Unspoken What Men Won't Talk About and Why. Check that out at the website as well. Johnny's the pastor emeritus of First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia, and the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention.
1: Johnny, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Thank you. It's good to be back. Enjoy day 1. We had fun and uh, it was great to hear how God brought you out of this pool hall basically, right? And exactly. uh, put you in that nice GTO that I want to <laughs> see pictures of someday. But what a uh, an incredible conversation about God's work in somebody's life. And if you missed day 1, man, you got to get a copy, get the download, do whatever you need to do because it was uh, really influential for me just hearing how God works in a man's heart. And you are a tough dude. Yeah. <laughs> so if if God can reach you, he can reach anybody, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, in uh, in 1 Timothy, Paul actually says that God has set my life up as an example, like really to say if God can save Saul of Tarsus, he can save anyone. But I've said just the opposite. If God can use me, the background I came out of, You know, the way I skipped school, probably had a ninth grade education, even though I made it to the 10th. But really, I just uh, never applied myself. I was drinking and carousing during those days. So if God can take what he started with my life and use me, It's an encouragement
1: that he can use anyone. Right. right? And that's the point for all who are listening. Exactly. I mean, there is nobody who's beyond the reach of God. unfortunately, you're an example of that, John. I like to tell (laughs) men that it's not what you bring that
0: causes you to be effective for him. It's what he puts in you. So it's you may feel you're humble, like saying, oh, I just... Come from this type of humble background, God can't really use me. Well, it's not based on your humble background. It's based on a sovereign, supernatural God invading your life and then living out his
1: salvation in you. Exactly it. Mm -hmm. So, how did you go from all of that? And again, people can listen to that part one, but um, how did you get into ministry? I mean, you make a commitment to Christ. Amazingly, your wife had done the same just before you did, mm-hmm. and you hadn't talked about it. But how did you then turn and say, "Okay, God, use me"? Almost from day one,
0: I began to sense a call.
1: But I what does that mean to the listener who doesn't understand yeah, at all what I you're I saying? I felt
0: this um, yearning in my soul that I I had not placed there, like uh, a calling. From within, like Paul would even say it was almost like a dream that he could hear someone saying, come over and help us. I just felt like every time if I taught a Sunday school lesson, if I'd go share my testimony, I would think I was made for this. I mean, this is who I am. I'd rather be talking about this changed life and helping people not just find out how to be successful in this life, but how to live forever. And so in that context, it was almost a joke. I'd say to my wife, because I'd never talked to anybody about it. So I dropped the hint one day and said, hey, Janet, wouldn't it be something if God called me to preach? She laughed and said, now that would be hilarious. Mm -hmm. You can't talk three minutes without crying. And so that kind of, she didn't know it, but it sort of pushed me down. Well, here I am. I'm struggling. I'm just sensing that I'm supposed to respond Like during an invitation for people to be saved or recommit their life, I felt the need every time to go. And it was like, I didn't want to be sure what I was answering. I mean, I'd confess my sin. I would confessed other people's. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. And my wife, I just said, let's go and pray. I feel like God's trying to say something to us. So we're right on the verge of thinking, why don't we just say yes, you know, put our yes on the table and see if there's anything to this. Guess what happened? My brother responded that I'd led to Christ. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? <laughs> so the pastor gets up and says, Norman Hunt comes today, surrendering to preach. I'm sitting there angry. I'm thinking, no, God's not calling Norman. He's calling me. Now I've got another struggle. If I respond, they're going to think I'm just following big brother. I Oh, I'm telling you, the enemy was doing a number on me. It took me weeks to get beyond that, and then it kind of hit all over that state. Two brothers, both out of pool room backgrounds, raised by single mom, both hearing God's call.
1: So, Johnny, how did God move you forward in your calling? All right,
0: so now, where do I go from here? And so, here's what I believe. God's never shown me A to Z. God will say, here's where you are. I'm at A. Trust me. Yeah, but how am I going to do that in your job? It's sort of like agree to receive the ticket and leave the driving to me. So then my pastor said, I went to Gardner Webb College University now. But it was a Baptist school received no state funding, which the only thing I could have hoped for is some type of grant based on my poverty. But he talked to the president and said, this is one of the most promising young men he had seen in his ministry, basically, here's what they said. We're going to give you one semester. So wow. think I've got one daughter at that point. We're going to move eight hours from home, give up my job with the promise of one semester. But we felt really called to do it. So we went, thinking it all ends in May. It's all over with. They would ask questions in class and I'd become a really good Bible student. I mean, I, I was reading every day, and I was reading other things. I could answer just about every question, and I read my quarterlies. So I became—I mean, I just really became somewhat— You were hungry. I was starving for God's Word. Uh, any, the Bible says, as newborn babes, we desire the sincere milk of the Word. Uh, if there was a Bible study, and I was I could get there, I would go— so I went off to school and they began to say, hey, does anybody want to do the Bible studies for our radio listening audience? Nobody raised their hand. I, I'll do it. And then they would say, anybody want to do next week? Nobody, I'll do it. Who would like to go preach at a church in Stone Mountain this week? I've already done it. Let's see who else. Nobody raised their hand. I was hungry. I wanted everything. So one day, this is a great story. One day, the chaplain, Buddy Freeman said, hey, Johnny, I know you've been preaching a little bit for the school, and I've only been a Christian three years. He said, there's a church that they want me to him to be the interim, but I can't be there for two weeks. Would you go fill in for two weeks? And that was a big deal because that was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night back in those days. But I did. They called Mr. Freeman and said, and I'm a Native American, said, we like this Indian. Can we keep him? Oh, my gosh. And let him be our interim. So now listen to this. I've never heard a story like this in my life. I preached for them for like three months, and God moved. People were being saved, offerings were going up just out of the pure fallacy of whatever I could learn. Here's what I had I had Matthew Henry's commentary on the Bible, a Schofield Bible with its notes. And if Schofield didn't know it and I couldn't get it from my Bible commentary, that's all I had. That was my library. So they brought in a preacher. Masters of Divinity from Southwestern Seminary, and they were voting on him. So I said, well, I'll go somewhere else today, back to my little home church I joined at Seminary College. That day, here's how they voted. Gave out a little piece of paper. It's 35 people. If you're for him or for him, for him, (laughs) yes. And if you get him, no. Jim, John, they received like seven for him, three against him, and all the rest of them wrote my name in. Oh, my. So this was it. I became the pastor that day. Think about it, without them ever presenting me. Have you ever heard of a pastor being voted in without being presented? No. So they called, and I said, how did it go? Bob Peeler, chairman of the committee. Well, Pastor Johnny, the people wrote your name in today. And here's how they talk. (laughs) South Carolina. Weans want to know if Ewans will become our pastor that's how I became the pastor of my first church. Stayed there three years. So God had a plan. But yeah. listen, had I never surrendered, and that's even to a lost man that's listening. When you never surrender to God's prompting in your heart, uh, that unsettledness in your life, you never come to realize why you're here in the first place. And then if you're a Christian and you never surrender, you never know what God's purpose for your life is. So I'm now finding his purpose. So where I worried, I can't go to school. I don't have the money. There was a church. And then in that church, there was a man named Otis Scruggs.
1: I love it. So tell us
0: how God used Otis in your life. Otis and Viola Scruggs began to love my wife and I and our daughter. Holly would be born a couple years later. And so they came to my house one day and told me this story. We have two sons. And I said, I've been having dinner with y'all every week. When am I going to meet your children? they're in heaven mm. they've been gone 45 years mm. they were twins and they died with kidney disease and i thought otis i am so sorry he said we used to kneel by the bassinets and pray god used both of them but we want to parent a preacher mm. call one or both of these boys to preach and they said our dream died with our boys and I said, I'm sorry, and here's what, I'll never forget it as long as I live. My wife and I have rehearsed this story. They looked at us and said, it's where you come in. And I give God glory for this. Here's what he said. We're in our late 70s, and we've never seen a young man on fire like you. And I was 23 then. They said, you're on fire. You're wanting everybody to get saved. And we thought, you need help. You don't have money. You don't have clothes. I mean, you can only take one suit and change it so many ways to look different every week. I had one suit. And he said, we want to take care of you. So we're here today to ask, him, we adopt you? And to this day, I get emotional. And I said, adopt me. What does that look like? He said, to starters, we want to pay for your education. Mm-hmm. Number two, we want to buy you, your wife, and your daughter's clothes. Number three, every other week. Look for me. I'll be looking for you. I'll have something for you. And he would give me some 20s every other week for three years, three months, and three weeks. So they covered everything, and they were like our adopted parents. So paid for my school and bought me really nice clothes. I tell everybody bought me my first pair of floor shine shoes and even a pair of real hush puppies. (laughs) And so, I mean, I just don't forget this. And he would shake my hand. And, you know, then $40 – Every other week, $80 cash in 1976. That was a big deal. And so um, they became like our parents. I said to Otis one time, I said, Otis, you've done so much for me. Please, this is enough. Don't buy me any more clothes. And here's what he said. Pastor Johnny, I've been thinking about what I've done for you. He says, son, I've never missed anything I've given away. And I thought about that. You can invest you can spend, you can waste, but try to remember where you are a loser from what you gave away. And I, it just stuck with me. That, um, And so I quote him all the time. But um, I went to see him on his deathbed. And I'd moved. I was off at seminary then. And they said, don't come right now. Doctor says a couple of days. And he's comatose. He won't know that you're here. And you know the answer. I will know I'm there. So I, all the way there, seven hours, I prayed, Lord, please wake him up, please, just so I can tell him one more time how grateful I am. This man has made oh, it possible.
1: Yeah.
0: So we got there, and she said, "You can go in." <clears throat> I went in, and I, in a deep voice, I just said, "Otis, Otis, Otis," and Otis responded and said uh, he he woke up, and you could tell he was sort of you know hazy. And then he saw it was me, and there was a smile. And he was hooked up to every machine. And I just, in tears, told him, I love you. You've been like a dad. I'll never forget you. On and on and on. He became agitated. And I didn't know what he was doing. He kept reaching and reaching. That man was looking for his wallet. Oh, my. Because I'd never been around when he didn't give me something. And I'm convinced. So I walked out, and I wrote a sermon. And here's what I wrote. A man will die the way he lives. Otis was a giver. He died a giver. He died trying to give me one more gift. Mm -hmm. And so people need to think about that. If you're lost and you're thinking, one day I will. No, if you don't now, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart because it's so easy. Hell is full of people with good intentions that never intended to go there. But Otis died the way he lived.
2: Yeah. Beautiful. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
0: Our team at Focus on the Family Canada has handpicked a wide selection of books and resources for the children in your life. We've compiled them for you in our new gift guide for kids and teens.
1: Inside this catalog, you'll find the newest Adventures in Odyssey albums and book series, along with our faith-building magazines. Brio, Clubhouse, and Clubhouse Junior. Share
0: the joy of knowing Christ with your kids. Find the gift guide at shop.focusonthefamily.ca.
1: Jennifer had a lot of anger from her past, and unfortunately, she was passing that on to her kids. But she found something better. Focus on the Family gave me the tools that I needed to nurture my children rather than breaking their spirits because growing up, that's all I knew. I'm Jim Daly. This season, help us give families hope, like we did for Jennifer. Please give generously today at focusonthefamily.ca slash give.
2: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh,
1: Johnny, the other area is this area of depression. You hit the wall. Uh, many pastors have done that. I mean, not to overstate it, but several I know uh, have hit that wall. Uh, I guess the question is for men in general, regardless of the vocation they pursue, what is the precursor for depression in men? And then what happened to you, and how did you get through it? Yeah. and again, it's the story. And
0: so when I came out and told my story, when I came back, I was out 16 weeks. When I came back, I told the story of what happened and what God used to bring recovery. Mine was, I had had cancer surgery, prostate cancer surgery, and I'd never been sick. So I had one question for the doctor, when can I be back preaching? And I really came back way too soon, so I'm dealing with that. I'm the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, multiple so you had, had a lot on your shoulders. I had a lot on me, but you know, you feel indispensable at times. You feel um, right. You, yeah, you can do it. You know, you feel like Superman. And my wife told me the S was not Superman; it was stupid. So, uh, and I'll never forget that. I, I, so she I don't sounds like that like like lady. Yeah, she's a prophet. She does it. She cuts to the chase. But again men can't talk about it okay remember yeah so my wife says we're on a little sabbatical and she says so i am not asking. you presidency's behind you and it's quite a challenge to try to lead and yeah. deal with all your issues and stuff you become the spokesman for the entire denomination every issue and then they said um she said how do you feel and i was getting up in the morning and reading for like two hours and then going for a walk saying god Help me. And there were days I would, while I was out, I felt like I'd get a word and it'd be gone by the time I got back. I just couldn't. The only way I could preach is write it all out and read it. Mm. I mean, I didn't have any uh, overflow. Wow. And so one day she said, Come on, tell me, really, how do you feel? And, you know, they know you. They know yeah, you. Yeah. And here's what I said, and this is where it started I can't explain it, but something inside of me died. Mm. I can't go back because I don't have anything. And that's when somebody says you need a break and I don't mean 2 weeks because you've um you've not left time to replenish something your body produces right so it was uh and again dr dobson used to say when you get depressed first of all make sure it's not medical physical you know it's not just spiritual and they're all related it affected me it affected me relationally mentally emotionally spiritually i mean everything was a part of it my wife it scared her so she called a leading psychologist that was in our life He said, I'd come to you now if I can, but I'll be there the next day. I met him in a park, in a state park. He brought a cooler of water and drinks and sandwiches. He said, we're not leaving here. For eight hours, we sat at a picnic table or walked through this conservation park talking, trying to get it out, find out where I was. And then I got into medical care, and we had him pretty much on call every day. We were riding. So I went to the medical doctor. And he looked at my wife, and he said, is there anything you've ever wanted to do with Johnny? And he hasn't done yet. She said, I want us to pack, get in the car, and not know where we're going, but not come back for two weeks. (laughs) He said, that'd be a great therapy. So when we left, somebody said, where are you going? with the kids. And the church totally protected me. My associate, I talked to him, but to no one else, only to one person at the church, and to my kids. When I came back, Jim, and I began to tell the church what I was going through and how I was coming out and how my days were. I hit a new nerve in the church because there were people that were in the place I was at, and their families were saying, ah, you've got no reason to be depressed. You're too blessed to be stressed. Well, that's not what they needed to hear. Right. So now they were actually coming down the aisle saying, the reason I'm weeping today, I don't wish this on you, but I'm excited now that I think you'll be able to help me. When I made it public, and I'm I preaching about 60% of the world's population through satellite TV, God is my witness. I begin to get emails from around the world. Mm, people saying A pastor me. saying my son died, but the organization I'm with in Christian ministry, take a couple of weeks off, but you need to take God at his word and get back at it. They didn't allow him to even properly grieve. Mm -hmm. So we started bringing them into, and I started another ministry 26 years ago called City of Refuge. That's mentioned in the Bible in two different places, and that's another whole story. And so we have one of the only ministries. Dr. Dobson, back in the early days, said he didn't know of a ministry in a local church because we offered the psychologists, medical attention, lawyers, free housing, paid their bills. Wow, We've put hundreds of thousands of dollars in that ministry. We still have it at it Woodstock now. And had as many as 14 pastors, missionaries, or staff members from around the world in there being restored. Many yeah. of them, it was just depression. Many of them, their children had gone crazy. Right. Their marriages has become troubled because of a troubled church. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that's the fantastic, uh, you know, way that people can be healed, and you're doing it. And, you know, for the listeners, the focus is doing that through counseling and other things, too. There's, There's a- leading pastors in America that will call me their best
0: friend today that I didn't know before I hit a wall mm. because they called me and said, I'm in Kansas. I'm thinking of one right now, and I'll fly to you today if you'll give me two hours. And here's why he said I want to talk to you. i watch you your YouTubes every week, but I've never met you and you don't know who I am. He said, everybody that knows me doesn't take me serious because they've seen me perform for 35 years. Wow! So they just see it as, ah, it's just a little window of issues. But he said, I'm ready to quit. I'm questioning whether I'm even saved. Hmm. And he came, and this is something, we had one of the leading psychologists in the Christian faith to see him. And he had the worst case of ADD they'd ever diagnosed. So think of this. His mind couldn't stay anywhere. Right. So he couldn't stay, you know. Uh, Thou will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. He couldn't stay. So he would think, I'm not saved. I'm not. He, he was in my service on that Sunday afterwards. He responded in both services saying, I need to be saved. <laughs> right. I found a counselor and I said, he does not need to be saved. <laughs> right. Go pray with him and encourage him. Yeah. Right. That's how bad he was. Yeah. He is back. He went back and told his story. And now he and I team up,
1: yeah. and mm-hmm. tell our stories. Oh, that's everywhere. fantastic, and yeah. that's that's the message that, yeah. no matter what state you're in, man. Yeah, uh, I wrote a message entitled "There's
0: Hope for Depression." Only God could have put time together like this. But the week I was putting the finishing touches and delivering it Sunday, and I was receiving more social media recognition for the sermon before I preached it than I had any message I had preached. Mm-hmm. Because there was so much depression, and it's entitled, There's Hope for Depression. And that's the same week Robin Williams killed himself. Mm. So think what happened with the internet on depression. Yeah, But there is always the way of escape, so we're promised. Right. But sometimes we choose not to take it. Exactly It's a narrow way.
1: Uh, Johnny, we've touched on so many aspects in this great book, Unspoken, what men won't talk about and why. You've put it in there, whether it's that anger, bitterness issue, the depression issue, um, not having a dad growing up. I mean, you've covered the gauntlet Mm -hmm. issues of pornography and those addictions Mm -hmm. that we lean into to medicate ourselves emotionally Mm -hmm. And uh, I so appreciate the time to get to know you and spend time talking to you. I hope uh, the listeners, if you're in that difficult spot, I hope you'll call us. I mean, we have caring Christian counselors Mm -hmm. who are prepared to start that journey. It'd be that first, perhaps, that first time that you've opened up to somebody. I want to encourage you to do it. Uh, Don't hold back. Johnny's given you testimony of the many times he stepped out in that way to confess his vulnerability and how the Lord rewarded that. Mm -hmm. And that's really the story that you've shared with us the last couple of days. So I want people to be able to experience that same kind of of great relationship with Christ and don't ask to be saved again. Yeah. Get down and get the work yeah. done and yeah. let the Lord begin yeah. to really change. This can encourage
0: a listener. First Corinthians 10 13 says there is no temptation overtaking you that is not common to man. Here's a good translation. If you're struggling with it, you're listening and you're struggling with something, there's millions of others struggling with the same thing you are. Exactly right. Make it known, humble yourself, and you'll be
2: able to help
1: thousands. Yeah, amazing. Well said. Thank you so much for being with
2: us. Thanks for having me. And I do hope that you'll be sure to get a copy of the book by Johnny Hunt that we've been talking about today, Unspoken, What Men Won't Talk About and Why. And uh, we have that here at the ministry. By the way, we're listener-supported. We rely on your generous gifts to continue the work of Focus on the Family Canada as we come alongside and encourage men, as we help uh, families stay strong, as we speak into the culture. Uh, Donate today as you can, and when you get in touch, request Johnny's book, Unspoken, What Men Won't Talk About and Why. The starting point is focusonthefamily.ca or call 800-the letter A and the word family. And along the way here, we've talked about um, knowing God personally through His Son, Jesus Christ. If that's something you'd like to learn more about, if uh, you're interested in a relationship with the eternal living God, um, when you're online, look for the free booklet we have that you can download, or we'll send it to you if you'd like. It's called Coming Home, and it uh, really is a great little booklet about the Christian life and uh, what it means to follow Christ. You'll find that at FocusOnTheFamily.ca, or again, call 800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.